White Sox fans, welcome into Sunday Fun Day with Socks on Tap. It's Johnny Nani here alongside Tony on Tap. Tony, how you doing, my friend? Crack them. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday, Johnny. It's uh it, it it's been better, but uh at least we have no clear direction to talk about here on this show. Crap um, like that. And, Can't be crap like that, that and crap like that. Yeah, can't be getting into crap like that. We're going to try to get into some crap like that, Tony. We'll, we'll talk about that. We've got the weekend series, a split with Cleveland. Um, eventful trade deadline so far. Uh, I don't know if they're done or not yet, but we'll see. Uh, that, that deadline coming up on Tuesday. Um, and then, you know, it's uh, going to be a different looking team uh, from here on out. And uh, we'll get into all of that. But before we do, make sure you're subscribed on Tap Sports on YouTube. Jump in the comment section here. Uh, like our guy, NWI Steve, down from Hotlanta, just like that. But on Tap Sports YouTube, drop your comments in there. We'll feature them just like that. Below, uh, you can do it from Facebook too. Unfortunately, can't get the Twitter ones in there. YouTube, Facebook, go check it out on Tip Sportsnet. All right, Tony, let's start a uh, weekend series here. Hey, a split. I didn't see that coming, did you? Definitely didn't see a split coming in this series, Johnny. In fact, I thought that this was going to be one win max for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, you know, we have started trading away players. Uh, Cleveland has pretty much owned the White Sox since uh, – well, the last two, three years here. And uh, it's it's good to see the White Sox actually split one. There was some fun in there, Johnny. There was a little bit of fun in there for two games in a row. It looked like the White Sox were having some fun. Uh, I really liked yesterday. There was some emotion coming from from certain White Sox players, uh, sort of throwing it back at uh, the Guardians and uh, rocking the baby in front of Josh Naylor. I liked seeing that. I liked the emotion. Man, it seems like every time we play Cleveland – they just own us. They're able to make fun of us openly uh, in front of us and and sort of just walk all over us, man. You didn't see that from the White Sox, at least in two of the uh, four games in this series. I was happy with that. Today was a little flat, but overall, uh, it's a split here. And it was more than I expected to see from White Sox baseball this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely did. I was thinking uh, maybe Salvage won uh, out of the four-game weekend series. Obviously, Thursday, um, they got the best of us. But then uh, I was there Friday. Uh, it was fun seeing our guy Sean Roberts there. Um, and we, we brought him a winner, a shutout, too, at that, uh, 3-0. Um, that, was, that was cool um, before the weather rolled in. And then uh, Saturday, like you had said, um, hey, all, all the guys that are supposed to be doing it were, you know, clicking. Uh, Yohan Makata had a clutch hit in there. You had a home run from Andrew Vaughn. You had Tim Anderson finally hit a home run. Run, Tony, did that, that really happen? That, that might be the most unexpected, you know, feat of the weekend. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I mean, leadoff home run, he was back in the leadoff spot. Uh, ben Intendi out of the lineup in that ball game, but Tim Anderson leading a game off with a home run. It was like vintage White Sox times here, Johnny. Just absolutely vintage White Sox times. I wonder if he got past at home. That's we're working to confirm. Yeah, that. well, I mean, obviously that situation's you know n another discussion there. Um, but that uh, I wrote a quick post about it over at ontapsportsnet.com. You can go check it out. But the drought, three hundred seventy nine days. Um, I know, obviously, that includes the offseason there, but over a full calendar year, because what the last one was July 15th of twenty twenty two, a game at Minnesota. Uh, so yeah, th that's a uh, long. You know, power outage for TA there. Glad he was able to snap. And he absolutely smoked that ball. Um, you know, he's a mostly middle away hitter, which is, and I think Frank Thomas has made this point a bunch of times, one of the greatest hitters uh, in White Sox history, saying that TA is at his best when he goes middle away. And obviously that's where a majority of his hits are going to come. But my God, I love a good pull shot. That, that was, you know, up there uh, in those seats in left field. Yeah, and you know, he also had that one hit in Minnesota where he had to run the bases. It was a grand slam, but it was foul. I was thinking in Oakland, yeah. Yeah. Or in Oakland, sorry. I yeah. thought when he hit his first, it was gonna go to right field. I was kind of shocked, um, to be honest with you, where that ball ended up. It wasn't even didn't even look like he had a full swing on it. Uh so you sort of stopped the bat about three fourths of the way through. And he just looks super happy rounding the bases and then gets back to the dugout. And that's where you saw that emotion start to, to come out of the White Sox dugout. Um, I liked what you brought up yesterday in the Sox on tap group chat about uh, Tim Anderson being emotional over this home run. Uh, but for lack of a better term, you saw the White Sox actually happy in their dugout for what felt like the first time in a long time. Uh, yes, they've, they've shown some semblance of, 
good times happening within the dugout after a couple of victories or some home runs. The the home run gangsta jacket, as we like to call it here, uh, has come out a couple of times. But that was like the first real pure joy I saw in that dugout since probably Jose Abreu was in that dugout. Johnny, I don't know if uh, if you can point to any other times where you saw it throughout the season, but I'm pretty sure you haven't seen that since Jose Abreu was in the dugout. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and that's kind of like um, flat. there were you know flashes. I think that's a good way to put it there, like flashes of it at certain times. But this team has always done that. They, you know, what they in what early June swept like Detroit, and you were thinking that maybe this is you know finally like they're going to do something. But then they showed who they really are uh, by going out and losing series and stuff like that after that, and it just damaged you know morale of the team. And you heard it from these some of these guys that exited, and we'll get into the trades a little more in depth in a little bit. But when you just hear. Joe Kelly and the Lance Lynn's of the world. Um, and, and they're talking about, you know, this is what happens when you don't perform. Nobody's happy, but when you're losing games, they've been doing a lot of losing uh, since the second half of the 2021 season, really, if you go back and look at it there. So um, that's, you know, the, unfortunately a byproduct of that. I'm going to be flat in the dugout, but it, it was, you know, just, even if it was just for one night here, uh, nice to see that. And I think it speaks to Tim Anderson's presence in there too. Um, I, I know he's caught a lot of flack and obviously uh, for the uh, on-field performance, definitely not up to a standard injury played a part in that, but there were other factors that went into that, but it goes back to our whole set the tone thing, right? Um, when he was going right, you, you go and look at the White Sox um, record when he was in the lineup over the window. And, you know, it's something that you can't, replace really it feels like that's kind of like infectious saw other guys get up for him in that dugout with that little uh, dance that they did uh, after he came back in um so that that's you know it's the stuff that doesn't make the stat sheet too that you definitely miss but unfortunately it feels like you know too little too late because that was just happened after they traded you know um the majority not a majority but a really good chunk of their innings pitched here uh this season uh, with all the uh, starters and relievers uh going out the door to new teams yeah, and, and Johnny, I don't know. We'll get into, as you said, uh, we'll get into some of the trades um, and what that means. Uh, I, I don't know if there was sort of a lift after uh, the White Sox made these moves uh, within the clubhouse. Uh, pressure comes off a little bit and you start to just relax. I, I don't want to say this team was pressing through most of this season, or even if you go back to the second half of 21, because I don't think they were pressing. And in fact, most times they looked lackadaisical, uh, but maybe with the pressure off, you get a little bit more of that environment that you saw in 2017, 2018, even into 2019, a little bit there where guys loosen up a little bit and they're just having fun. Uh <laughs> for lack of a better term. I know this isn't fun. They're not in a good position to be having a lot of fun, but you sort of put the final nail in the coffin on any sort of hope for a run here with, with the moves that have been made. Uh, not that they were going to be able to do so. The gap is is certainly large enough. But once you start to get the, the, the officialness of these moves, uh, I think you can sort of take some of that pressure off some of the guys and Tim Anderson, probably a main benefactor of of that. Now he's still uh, a potential trade candidate for this team, so maybe he's starting to, uh, you know, take notice of you know whether or not you know he's being evaluated by certain individuals or certain teams uh, for his you know future here. But it was just a different feeling over those past couple of days. Now, of course, they come out today and lay a stinker on us, um, and had no semblance of of any sort of fight. It felt like from the White Sox lineup, um, but overall it was just it was good to see. I do want to get into some of the pitching, Johnny, through this uh, through this four game set. I think that it was sort of surprising in, in a couple of different ways and some recent trends that I, I've sort of noticed. Uh, Tuki Toussaint has been sort of a diamond in the rough guy. I don't know if you've got thoughts on T- him. Tuki Tuki the ace. Yeah, <laughs> Tuki the ace. Hey, how about hey? It was at a five. Uh, inning uh, scoreless uh, outing for him on Friday night. That was uh, definitely surprising. Um, But, you know, I'll give him credit because he stepped into a 
a situation where he essentially needs to eat innings for guys that were previously injured. And now guys that are traded no longer on the team. So um, they're going to need him. He's going to be in the rotation. Obviously I think he's part of the probables for that Texas series too uh, coming up. So um, they're going to need him and Hey, uh, he's doing what is asked of him. And I, don't if you go and look at the numbers, I don't think anybody can be disappointed in what Tuki Toussaint's done. So um, that's a good little pickup to, you know, just like I said, cover some innings or innings that still need covering uh, to, to finish out the season. And speaking of that, Mike Clevenger comes back uh, from the injured list and uh, drops five scoreless of his own uh, on Saturday night. Um, you know, obviously he's a name that is always, you know, uh, talked about for the on-field stuff that uh, occurred uh, after his acquisition and prior to the season. But man, uh, go and look at the numbers. Um, sure, the peripherals might not be the sexiest in the world, but how often is Dylan Cease getting you through five scoreless this year? How often is Michael Kopech getting you through five scoreless this year? Um, I don't know. I thought uh, I, you know, liked what I saw from him uh, coming back, looked fairly strong. So um, that, that was good to see. And who knows, maybe he could be another guy. You talked about Tim Anderson shit. Maybe if that's enough for other teams, if they want to take a chance on, I'm sure you're not going to get anything amazing out of it, but what Steve um, uh, had said um, previously, you, you can't win the lottery if you don't play, right? So if you take a flyer uh, on one of these guys, and then even if you don't move them, I think for next year, you pick up the club option, and then aim to have him, you know, pitch uh, at this kind of level next year, first half, uh, hopefully limit the injuries and then flip him then. Um, th that's also a possibility there too. So a couple avenues you can go down here. Remember, we're, we're focused on competing next season, Johnny. This is not a rebuild. Uh, that's the first time I'm going to throw that out there and crap like that. Uh, so crap like that crap like that. So I like what we've seen from Mike Clevenger outside of the, the injuries uh, from a, from an on the field performance standpoint this season. I know that there's some people who've said, let's try and get him dealt within the, the next couple of days here uh, before the trade deadline uh, takes place. But for all intents and purposes, Johnny, I have a question for you. Are you picking up that option on him next season, bringing him back to to eat these innings, or are you going to try and potentially move him over the offseason, cut ties with him at the end of the year? I sort of look at what we've got from a rotation standpoint right now, and you bring up a really good point. And we'll talk about Michael Kopech in a second because I want to talk about his start today. But Kopech hasn't been doing it. You've right. got uh, some news out of you know Garrett Crochet getting himself re-injured. I know he's sort of a fringe name for a rotation next season. Uh, Dylan Cease. Mr. Immovable from the Chicago White Sox. Everybody's been uh, reporting that he is not going to move. So you've got basically Dylan Cease locked in as, as your number one guy next year, uh, pending any other weird craziness that takes place. But then you've got a bunch of other names in here. Tuki Toussaint, is he back? Uh, can Michael Kopech remain a starter? I know that's a, that's a big question. You've got Mike Clevenger. You've got the option of Mike Clevenger. And then it's a bunch of question marks really from there. I, I can't in my right mind sort of move this guy. I want your thoughts on this. Right. I think you just laid out the case there. Look at the names at who's actually going to be in the rotation um, next year. And I think that is my answer right there is that if I was a GM in the White Sox, I would exercise the option. I think it's mutual. So they have to whatever agree on it. But uh, given his uh, injury issues that he had this year, um, I feel like that would probably be a fair number for him to, to want to, you know, uh, go in on that with the White Sox there. And like I said, you just need, you, you need guys to be able to cover those innings uh, and have, you know, some of it. Now, you know, I, I go back to numbers this year overall. Um, that's a decent depth starter. Uh, if you're looking at the numbers, sure, you need him healthy for more than he has been, but um, it's it's pretty straightforward in my mind, and that the plan would be uh, to have him on team to start next year, and then depending on where you're at direction wise, look to flip him at the deadline because they're just uh, you know use a Godfather quote. There just wasn't enough time. Wasn't well, enough time. I don't think that one outing that he had uh, just here on Saturday night, right before the trade deadline coming off a uh, month plus absence is enough for the team to be totally convinced of it. But who knows? Uh, like you said, craziness can happen around the deadline. Teams get desperate if they see, you know, uh, we, we got to come in here. Storm chaser. Kenneth says Rangers making moves. Yeah, they're, they're acquiring pitchers left and right. So maybe one of these other contenders does uh, want to jump on that, throw their hat in the ring for a uh, depth starter and Mike Clevenger, who knows uh, on that front, but, Assuming he does stay with the Sox, uh, the team's not uh, going in on it, with, given the injuries this year, um, then I, I would bring him back. That would be my answer. 
Yeah, Rangers are making some moves, and I, I hope uh, Kenneth is an actual storm chaser. If he has that in his name, I hope he's he's chasing some tornadoes or something out there. I know, I know a okay. storm chaser, Tony Ken, Twista. Ken and, yeah, Ken and Tony Twista could be good friends. Yeah, they can be good friends. I, I, we'll we'll see if they know each other at some point. Uh, Johnny, you know, it 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 could get crazy. You never know. But I I do want to talk about this Michael Kopech thing because I saw a ton of different takes online about should Michael Kopech be back in the starting rotation for the Chicago White Sox next year. And before I get into some of the numbers that I pulled during his start today, I want to hear your thoughts on, you know, just Kopech in general and what you think the, uh, the longevity is. Yeah, that's a tough question right now because the command is just rough. Um, it is an interesting case with him because he has shown once again, I feel like this is, this is just a theme overall with the team shown flashes of brilliance right? You have certain starts where he looks dominant. I mean, in the pregame show, they're showing the highlights of that start in May against the Royals where he went like eight innings and he just was, you know, just shutting them down. And usually when he's on, he limits hits too. Um, so he's not having a lot of traffic on the base pass except for the walks um, when he is on. But then when he's not on, um, he's walking in runners like you're seeing today. So that's an issue that needs to get fixed. And I think it's going to come down to they identify it can they fix that over the offseason and honestly we you just laid out all those options there when you're talking about would you bring back Mike Clevenger for the same reason I would be inclined to try and fix it and get him back in the rotation next year but that is like the final straw that's kind of where I would be and if this stuff kind of persists then you know what I would not like try to word it to him the best I can whoever's making the decision has to relay it to him that hey in order to extract the max value out of you and for what, you know, you are able to contribute and be at your best bullpen, you know, you can be an absolute shutdown guy in this role, pipe them up in that way. And, you know, that is hopefully something that would be, you know, you, you saw him be effective out of the bullpen when he was on the uh, TJ recovery, you know, track back uh, into MLB uh, for a full season there. Um, but if you go and put him in, I know it was Ozzie Guillen saying that you'd like to see like Kopech be in like somewhat of like a closer, high leverage role. Uh, I think that's certainly on the table, something you can do. But once you go that route, you can't come back. So I would, I mean, you technically could, but I mean, realistically, you're not going to do that because you got to build up a guy as a starter. So I, I would, I would give it another run um, as a starter, given the options for next year and the banking on the flashes right uh because people were kind of you know iffy on dylan cease when he had his issues uh when he was still you know developing into his own at the big league level and then you saw a season where he finishes as a runner-up for the cy young i don't know if kopech's you know getting top three votes for cy young next year but if you iron it out a little more consistency uh you know that he can be an effective arm when right yeah, absolutely, Johnny. And I'll I'll go into some of the numbers I was looking at. Um, you know me; I'm a huge baseball savant guy, Johnny, and and I I live in uh, the the nerd world of of baseball, and I uh, just pour over these things all the time. Um, but I actually I actually did do that today with Michael Kopech when uh, the start was taking place, specifically in the second inning where he had uh, had a little trouble with the command. I wanted to figure out what exactly was wrong with him this year. And the one thing that I remember people talking about coming into uh, the 2023 season with Kopech and, and even just, you know, going back was he was a two pitch pitcher, fastball slider. And then, you know, he does mix in a curve occasionally and they really wanted to develop his change up this year, Johnny. And that's, you know, you saw the, the, the videos in spring training of him working with cats and Grandal talking about how effective that change up could be uh, as a third pitch for Kopech, you know, developing into a more efficient starter. One thing that we knew about Michael Kopech, even back when he was pitching, I believe it was 2018, 2019, when, right before the, the TJ and the 2020 opt-out season, so 2019 there, uh, he relied on that slider a lot as, as his put-away pitch. I don't have the numbers right in front of me from 2019, but I do have that slider looking right here 21, 22, 23. In 2021, the whiff rate on the slider was 36%. The expected batting average on it, 176. And the hard hit rate, 22%. 
when we moved Kopech from the bullpen into the starting rotation, Johnny, you see a huge dip in the slider effectiveness. Whiff rate goes from 36% down to 21.8. Expected batting average to 40. Hard hit up to 40% in 2022. And it gets worse this year. 26.8% on the whiff rate. So he did increase the whiff rate on it. However, the expected batting average goes up to a 264. This is prior to today's start. And the hard hit rate goes up to 45.7%. So that slider that he used as a put-away pitch, something's wrong with it. I'm not a pitching coach. I don't know how to fix it. But all the talk about Michael Kopech entering this year was developing tertiary pitches to, you know, the, the curveball, the changeup, everything that needed to be done to add another pitch to his arsenal that was as effective. You've actually seen him go to the changeup a lot more than the slider as a putaway pitch. I don't know if that's going to be a problem. I don't know if it's just a development thing or if we're still trying to do that develop at the major league level thing that we complain about as White Sox fans over and over again. But you see in 2021 in the bullpen in that shutdown role that he had sort of as a setup guy, that slider was absolutely fucking nasty. It was working. It was getting hitters out. It's not anymore. And that's his second most thrown pitch still to this day. Um, He sort of relies on it behind that fastball. And that fastball is susceptible to leave the yard. This thing's leaving the yard now, too. That doesn't exactly give me a lot of confidence going into next year. I don't, again, not a pitching coach, don't know how to fix it. But just looking at these numbers, I sort of puke in my mouth a little bit. Right. Um, I think one thing that needs to be considered here is that uh, possibility that not entirely right physically. Um, obviously, had an IL stint earlier this year, and you had Steve Stone mention it too on the broadcast today. Um, when he, when Pedro came out and they were like looking at him and I know Kopech ended up staying in the game and, you know, pitching five today, but, um, when Steve Stone notices that he's former pitcher himself, um, I would be inclined to believe him that something, I think he pointed to the shoulder and something not being totally right there. Um, you know, he was able to battle through it and, you know, th- throw five, because that was still in like the second, third inning there uh, when the mound visit happened there. So I think that needs to be taken into consideration. Maybe that's part of it uh, that, that's plaguing him on that this year. Um, another part is mental too, um, because, you know, if, I think Steve says it all the time here. You need, you need to pitch with conviction, be the, you know, fuck you. I'm getting you out. Believe that every single time uh, you're winding up, throw a pitch there. So um, th- those are parts of it. But uh, in terms of the actual technical uh, mechanical stuff, that's something for Ethan Katz. Uh, and is he as, you know, um, you know, uh, effective as touted by some Um can he fix him? Can cats fix him? Can Coop fix him? Can cats fix him? It is a big question. But once again, I'll go back to um, really ingesting stuff like that, that rundown of the you know effectiveness of the slider that you just gave and doing everything they can to get that back on track uh, going into next season. Because in my, you know, in my keyboard GM here, I am keeping Kopech in the rotation and, you know, trying to get the version of him that is the shutdown guy. Um, there, there were stretches last year, and then once again, r- earlier on in this season too, um, that give me some hope that he can figure it out. But um, those are some pretty technical questions and uh, issues that need to be addressed then this offseason. So it's hope you hope, let's hope he has a good offseason. Yeah, I would hope so too, Johnny. You know, you can couple that with a couple other things that I saw in there. Uh, the fastball velocity is down about two, three miles an hour overall. Uh, I think that's just sort of a by factor of, you know, being in the starting rotation, uh, having to go or attempt to go longer in ball games, um, right. as well as some of the physical stuff that you talked about. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's already had that one IL stint where it was, you know, give him some extra rest. Um we're getting close to uh, him having, uh, you know, sort of at least tending or trending towards uh, career high innings pitch and pitches thrown this season. You hope he can get there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of moves they make with him. Obviously, we talked a little bit about Garrett Crochet wants to uh, be a starter next season. We'll see how that pans out. He's another guy that's had some injury issues. And, uh, you know, from a pitch arsenal standpoint, who knows what will happen there. But, um I'm a little nervous about how we're going to cover some innings next season. Um, 
not so much this year, but as we enter the 24 season, Johnny, I think that's one of my biggest question marks. Yeah, I think that um, has a lot to do with what this team's direction is. So we're, I know we can't discuss crap like that, but we're going to discuss crap like that uh, because the trade deadline shook up a lot of things. Uh, you took out two of your main starting pitchers in Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn. I know you and Steve talked a little bit about the Lucas Giolito Ronaldo Lopez trade on the night that it happened Wednesday. Uh, but since then, Lynn and Kelly out of town to the Dodgers and then uh, Kendall Graveman going back to Houston. Um, so let's talk some trades. White Sox trade deadline here, uh, Tony, with these guys. Um, it, once again, you you guys touched on Lucas Giolito and uh, Raylo, but you get the number now number two prospect in the Sox system, Edgar Cuero, Kai Bush, uh, left-hander there uh, from L.A. Um, what a, you know, in terms of acquiring these guys, it, what does this mean for the direction? I know Rick Hahn has been hesitant to put a label on it, but for what I'm seeing in, in these returns um, and they're reluctant, you know, being reluctant to move on from cease and even bummer has been thrown in there. And then I think a previous report from John Heyman over about a month ago or so was that, you know, uh, Robert's not going anywhere either. I think that was pretty straightforward, though. Um, Eloy Vaughn included among that group, and CC mentioned there too. Um, I think it depends. You know what, what's going on for this off season? Are you going to go uh, out in free agency and actually spend? As Boob had uh, reported, that they could be a player in that market, and that would be more of a retool then. Or are you stripping it down to the studs? And are we going back to the grainy uh, video uh, rebuild world here? I think you're in two different lanes here, Johnny, and that's what makes this sort of ultra confusing. Yes, yeah, so you can see the the White Sox front office is is focused on moving players on expiring deals uh, to recoup prospect capital. Sure, that's fine. Obviously, you you need to do that in this situation. However, you know, I didn't think we would be at the point where we need to call in a whole nother contracting company to come fix the house that we were spending five years to build. That's the problem here. Everything that's going on right now is a recognition that the White Sox failed and White Sox being very, very loose term here, the front office, the players, the owner, everybody involved failed putting together a product that they said that they were going to do uh, that they said they were going to do so. You can move on from some of these guys. Are we going to miss Lucas Giolito? Probably. In rotation where he was probably your number one arm this season, you're going to miss those innings down the stretch. Does that mean that uh, you've recouped the, the the best prospects the same way that we did when we moved on from Chris Sale and uh, Jose Quintana and went through the last rebuild? No, but at the same juncture, you've got a lineup still that has holes within it. Um you know, second base has been an issue. You still have a log jam at third. What's going to go on at catcher? You hear on the post game show today that, uh, you know, the White Sox are basically offering up Yasmani Grandal for free to move on from him. I know we've acquired a couple of catching prospects. Are they going to be ready next year? Because you hear they're both, they're both Zach Collins. Yeah. You hear the, <laughs> you hear the talking heads say, we're going to compete next season. I don't see a lot here right now at this very moment that says, okay, we've plugged any holes or there's any real, uh, you know, solid options that are going to come through this system from the trades that were made that are going to make the White Sox better next season. Cause that's what was said. Now we're competing in 2024 and crap like uh, that. I mean, you know, Rick Hahn wasn't going to go and say crap like that. He, he, yeah. he, he wouldn't, it wouldn't go either way on that. Um, well, who did the report come from? Was it, was it Bob Nightingale? So it, it might be, well, that was, that was kind of with a grain of salt. Right. And that was kind of like more of a bandying about, it wasn't that the white Sox are going to, it said, you know, with freeing well, up. He this, was, yeah. You know. He said, he said that they were focused yeah. on, you know, competing next season and that this wasn't a full on rebuild and that they were going to be big players in, in free agency. We've heard all this shit before. We've heard it so many times that it right. doesn't yeah. mean I, anything. 
Oh yeah, no, I, I wouldn't say that I believe it. But if you, if I had to pick a direction, I would go the retool route instead of a rebuild. Hey, I hate rebuilds. I hate fuck the grainy prospect highlight videos. I don't want to go watching that shit. And I don't trust any of these guys that we got um, in our player development. So that's more of a uh, reflection on our player development staff than it is on the prospects that were acquired. I'm sure some of these guys have some skill and talent, but we obviously haven't seen a crop of them come up be developed properly and work out at the big league level together. So, you know what? I really hope that boob is right in that they will go out and spend this year and just try and plug some of those holes. Fucking trade for a catcher. If you need to, we don't need the Astros triple a guy in Sebi Zavala being our duo next year. I, uh, I'll be honest. I'm the, I would be on board with a retool. I know they're between a rock and a hard place here. At least that's what it feels like right now. But my crap like that would be, if I'm going to put a label on it, would be a retool for next year, honestly. I think where I'm sort of skeptical on this is the free Asian class next year is is not super pretty. Um, it doesn't allow for you to go grab at the top of the market as many impact players as you had opportunities to do so over the past five fucking seasons. So at, at, like at, at what point are they going to strike and do something worthwhile? You, you saw them go out and spend money on guys like Joe Kelly. You saw them go out and spend money on guys like Yasmani Grandal, Kendall Graveman, all of these other names that are now being ushered out of here. At some point you do have to have faith, but I think my issue with this is it's the same front office that brought you to the result that you are in right now. Yeah. It just makes me angry. I I mean, I think about it more and say it out loud. You go back to the root cause and, you know, um, you start at the top and Jerry and then who employs, you know, the loyalty factor that's there and then who stays employed. Rick Hahn, uh, Kenny Williams, the, the tweet about the tenure of GMs and their record has been thro- thrown out there so many times regarding this. Look, I get it. That, that is an issue, and it needs to be uprooted um, if you really want meaningful change for this organization going forward. But I also operate in a world of reality, and I do you see those guys getting canned this offseason? That would be great. I really hope that would be there the are case. people out it's there that time. believe that that's gonna it's, happen. It's time, it's time for that to happen. But as we sit right here on July 30th, um, I'm still gonna operate under the assumption that Jerry is staying loyal to his guys who he's stayed loyal to here. Um, and they're gonna be the ones, unfortunately, making the decisions. I don't trust Rakan as far as I can throw him, but um, if you give me an option of stripping it down to the studs and you know banking on these guys in three, four years, once again, coming up and through the White Sox player development system and then making an impact there. Uh, and A, you didn't start from the same place that you did um, with, with those other guys there in terms of uh, the, I guess, the flashiness of the prospects. And sure, and th- that's another discussion too, because uh, a prospect is just a prospect. They need to come up and actually prove it. Um, so we, we've learned our lesson on that front, but yeah, it, it's a, it's really tough place to be in. So on one hand, I do kind of, uh, I, while we like to joke about it and that was a funny quote, Rakan saying crap like that, um, that probably is the best route for him to go, um, to say that, you know, we'll kind of have more clarity on that as the season winds down and you're getting into the off season because they're gonna have a lot of time to reflect on that while other uh, rebuilds that are working out are playing competitive baseball into October uh, and the White Sox go and hit the golf course. Yeah. And man, the, the problem with this for me really is the fact that yes, we, we can sit here and say that's, that's the best course of action for Rick Hahn right? The best course of action for Rick Hahn is to, you know, throw no label on this, you know, potentially call it a retool, you know, leak through the media that this is going to be a, we might be players in free agency. We might do all, because all it does is buy time. It buys time to get to the end of the year to cook up a plan that they did, that they were not prepared for this thing to fall apart as quickly as it did. And as ugly as it did, uh, this season coming into this year, a lot of people thought TLR's gone. 
we're going to be competitive now. You've got a new voice in here. He's going to extract all this value out of this this same group of of players, plus Mike Clevenger, minus Johnny Cueto. Um, that didn't happen. It it it. In fact, it fell flat on its face out the gate and got progressively worse through the season. And now you have to listen to post game shows where Pedro Grafol stands in front of a microphone and talks about building a new culture, doing all these other different, you know, evaluations and everybody's being evaluated. And it's, it's almost like you're back to square one, right? We're, we're evaluating everything. When you hear these terms, it's an organization that's in turmoil. I don't have faith that you get this right in time to extract the value out of Luis Robert to extract the value out of a guy like even a, a Jake Berger or a Dylan Cease, you throw these top tier names out. So when you do have to go rebuild, those are the guys that you're going to trade potentially on the last years of their deals, respectively, and not get the same value out of guys like, you know, that are, that are top tier where you wind up in the same rebuild situation. It's piecemeal. It's putting it together because this one didn't work out. And yes, I, I agree with you. I'd like them to retool and, and try these things. I have no faith that they can actually get it right because they didn't get it right when they did the full fucking teardown. So what makes you think that the patchwork repairs are going to be anything better than what you got here? That's just my personal evaluation right. of the situation. So it, it, it's a frustrating spot to be in. And I think a lot of Sox fans would agree with that. Right. I um I understand that sentiment and in an ideal world, it would be clean house at the end of the season, right? That, that would be the white Sox fans dream. Um, but if we're operating under this and my options are scorched earth again, down to the studs, you know, fucking, cause you, you're talking about trading these guys in there um, in, in the last years of their deals. Sure. If you, if you go through three tool and that doesn't work out, then you're doing it there. But if they do end up uh, having a new, direction in the offseason when they figure out what the crap like that is there um and there's always a possibility for offseason trades or trading them um ne next season uh, you know we get get the trade deadline swap there uh, with the guys with multiple years of control there so um i like i said i would like to see a new regime making these decisions i just don't know if that'll happen i excuse me i highly doubt that'll happen because when is, is the last after all. when is the last time Johnny you remember the White Sox having two of the top three home run hitters in the American League and being whatever 20 some odd games under 500 I mean we, we sat there last year we don't hit enough home runs well now you got two of the top and one of them bats in the bottom of your order for whatever fucking reason and he bats in the bottom of the order and Jake Berger. And then you've got Luis Robert and we're sitting here fucking struggling. It, it makes no sense. You can have your cake, but you can't eat it or you can eat shit. That's, that's the <laughs> options you have here. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the predicament we find ourselves in as White Sox fans. All right, Tony, there's a few lingering um, sort of topics here regarding the trade deadline. You guys discussed Giolito trade. Um, Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly, you know, sad to see the big bastard go, but obviously it was time. We all knew that was going to happen. He was talking about there. Um, you, you get some of these guys that are coming back. Nestrini, you know, you talked about him a little bit, leisure. Uh, and then Trace Thompson, old friend coming back. And then you get a minor league catcher, Corey Lee, in exchange from Ken, for Kendall Graveman from the Astros there. Um, I, I just wanted to, you know, reiterate that fuck the grainy prospect highlight videos there. Um, not buying into these guys, especially in the White Sox player development here. Um, Johnny but, wants but, HD cameras at every yeah, White Sox right, affiliate. Yeah. Yeah, well, honestly, and just, he'll be happy. as a side front, that would make it a lot easier to be able to stomach those because it is kind of hard. That Baron's angle is terrible. <laughs> it's brutal. Their setup down there in Birmingham is rough. And unfortunately, that's where most of the, uh, you know, the, uh, whatever, highly touted names, so to say, uh, would be right because talk about double are we going to get that, project being that Birmingham level 2.0 yeah can't new uh, hd or 4k camera installation down there yeah <laughs> yeah Th that's the project birmingham that we're working on this offseason um thoughts on these returns um I, what did i te text you yesterday uh, just assume from a baseline since we know what the white Sox player development does here just assume that all the catchers they got 
or Zach Collins and all the pitchers are Zach Birdie. <laughs> there you go. I told you in response, or maybe I, I, I said this first. I said, Nick Nestrini, good Italian name. I like that. You know, we, we like to root for, for our brethren. Um, so I, I like the Nick Nestrini name. I don't know enough about his stuff to uh, really, you know, give you a full rundown on him. Uh, Jordan Leisure. That's a cool name too. Uh, so we like him. Trace Thompson. Uh, we we've seen him. Uh, some people call him Tracy. I know he's got a brother that plays basketball. He's uh, beginning a rehab stint down in AAA Charlotte. Yeah, I saw that news come through. So I think yeah. we're going to get some mid-August, maybe early September. Trace Thompson, uh, you know, reunion out in the outfield at third, 35th and Shields. Third stint with the White Sox organization. How about that for Trace Thompson? Um, you know, it's funny. During his second one, um, when he was here in 2018, and we were just plugging holes all over the field, right? Um, there was one cool moment. I was at a game, and it was you know, like a Tuesday or Wednesday night. Uh, I believe they were playing in Minnesota. Um, but, you know, 2018 is still early in the season, so bad weather plus the rebuild, uh, making it very lowly attend. I was sitting right behind the White Sox dugout, and he hit a walk-off home run. Um, that that was uh, the one, like, memory I have of Trace Thompson. But, you know what? Are they like, going to pull those highlights? Somebody's got to pull those highlights for the, I, uh, I for find the commercials. Dude, I still... Oh man, I still have the video that I took of because I, I got a good live video of it when he when he was hitting it. So I'll I'll have to go and resurrect that. But it's just funny that he's back. And you know what? What also is like he went and just had not that he was a world beater, an everyday player, but th that's what LA does. They go and just pick up you know guys and be able to plug and play and put them in the best situations there. Um, it, it was funny that he w there was like a stretch where he was just hitting a power surge and he was hitting a fair amount of home runs for the Dodgers. I believe that was at some point last year. And then uh, he went on the IL fairly early on this season coming back from it now, but you, you know, he's probably going to come here and keep that slash line like in the hundreds. <laughs> well, you never know. There, there, there could be a, a late season uh, power surge from Trace Thompson I'm just wondering, can can Trace Thompson make the ballpark mix volume? What are we on? Close to five here, Johnny. Uh, ballpark mix volume four, five, whatever number we're at for next year. Maybe yeah. we can get the uh, walk off uh, home run from from Trace next next season and pump that in lap B a little bit. I'd like to keep it recent. So if he could hit one this season, then sure, that'd be great. <laughs> um. One other note that I had on these was we were talking about return. There was nothing official, but bandied about, especially in that you mentioned earlier in that the White Sox are essentially looking to give away Yasmani Grandal. And obviously he's on an expiring deal. He's not going to be around next year. So um, the premise that the, if he does remain with the team, that they could DFA him and bring up this Corey Lee uh, that they got in exchange from Kendall Graven for the Astros because he's a triple A uh, catcher there. And then your duo is essentially a pair of AAA catchers because Sebi Zavala is still there with the bat uh, in my mind. So um, that any thoughts on that possibility happening? Because I mean, the scorched earth crowd is just, yeah, sure. That's fine. That's what needs to be done. And you throw veterans. You're to not going to get. You throw, you throw veterans to the side into, into the dumpster when they no longer are, you know, 28 years old. You're, you're going to get nothing for Yasmani Grandal, especially when your postgame show is talking about giving him away for free. I would rather just have Yasmani Grandal on the the White Sox for the remainder of the season at this point. Um, just personally, because he's more pleasant to watch play baseball games uh, than, you know, <laughs> Sebi Zavala and, and probably whatever AAA catcher we're going to bring up here. I could be totally wrong. I could be completely wrong on this, and maybe we need to develop these guys. However, he at one point was the highest paid player in the Chicago White Sox history. Um, largest contract ever signed before we brought on Andrew Benintendi. Uh, but that that's the problem that we have here, Johnny, is that you're talking about giving away some of the highest paid players in your organization's history for nothing if, if you can get any sort of something back for them. That is a fireable offense, I think, for almost any other GM in any other organization. Uh, 
it, it's a sad spot to be in. Just ride it out with Yaz. I, I don't think that there's any right. reason why you can't bring up a, a Kai Bush or, or who was it, Edgar Aquero, um, for you know a, a tryout here down the stretch as we as we get near September. Um, that. They've already carried three catchers before with Carlos well, Perez yeah, on Carlos the roster. Perez, so there's you know, why are we dumping people just right. for the, now, the sake to dump people? There, there's a little it, bit of a stipulation though with that. Um Corey Lee um is dealing with an oblique strain, I believe, as well. I want to say that's what Trace Thompson had as well. Um, but he I believe that's sometime in like August. So it should be fairly soon when he's able to join triple a Charlotte, but you know, like trace is getting back in with that rehab assignment right now. I'm pretty sure uh, he's not at that point just yet. Cause the report that I just read was sometime in, you know, early to mid August when this Corey Lee could be back. So I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up because you know, uh, you're going to have a hole at catcher regardless whether you guys stays here for the rest of the year or they DFA him or if they trade him, whatever uh, you're going to have a hole uh, at catcher. And like I said, that's not extremely promising. A Subby Zavala, Corey Lee, um, sort of tandem in my mind so that's where if i'm going retool that's where you gotta look and i know there's probably some cheap veteran catchers that you can go and get on the market but um if you're serious about it you may, may need to trade for a catcher i'm <laughs> i talked with sean about that on friday night like a major league catcher yeah major league catcher not like a prospect yeah. catcher yeah okay. right yeah did they so. have the chance to do that with uh, Murphy this this past off season? Yeah, they, would, they they were involved in that, but obviously, you know, Atlanta was able to pull that one off. All right, there's a couple more questions related to the trade deadline. I want to get to who else gets moved. Um, we've still got Monday and into Tuesday for this trade deadline. Um, who 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 else do you think is on the move there for the White Sox? I think you'll see Middleton go. Um, his name's come up a couple of two three times here so far. I think you'll see um, him move nothing, nothing spectacular in return, just sort of a, a transaction there, if you will. I wouldn't be surprised to see one position player move from this group. Uh, I've sort of seen some rumblings of the Brewers being interested in Eloy Jimenez. Uh, I don't know if the White Sox are going to do that. I've got sort of a love-hate relationship with Eloy. I think a lot of White Sox fans do uh, in terms of his uh, injury proneness. We're not allowed to call him that or anybody else on the White Sox roster injury prone. So uh, maybe his uh, proneness to go on the IL. Uh, but, you know, the Brewers are interested potentially in bringing him on board. Uh, and then there's, you know, the 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 one name that could get focused on um, very heavily here over the next two days Tim Anderson now got the monkey off the back, hit the home run. You saw him play second base in the world baseball classic, as well as had a short stint there earlier this season uh, when he was coming back from injury. Will somebody put together a trade package for Tim Anderson? I know the white Sox have said that they don't want to move uh, him in certain regards, but I, I did hear on the post game show today that they will listen to offers for TA. Now, I don't know how you fall in, in terms of the move TA or retain TA camp, Johnny, but there was also talk that I saw today that Colson Montgomery is going to move up into the top 10 prospects in all of baseball uh, when they do update this. So they do have a clear cut sort of prospect answer waiting in the winds is TA's um, value. Uh, I'd push back on that worth Colson. moving him. I'd push back on that Colson Montgomery thing. And my, this is part of my answer too, because I would probably be weary in that regard. I mean, sure. If you get an offer, that's, you know, uh, going to blow your socks off, then yeah. And you can deal with it and play the Lenin Sosa's at short. And you got what um, a couple of other names too. Uh, you move that, Elvis that is, Andrews over to shortstop for the rest well, of the season. Not, you get Jake not, Berger into the order. Oh, well, that's that I'm talking about for next season though. Um, I wouldn't say Colson. I think this is where you draw he's, still, he's still hitting it. What freaking high a that's, that, that's where, that's where they've been keeping him after the injury. So he lost also a good chunk of early part of the season uh, due to injury. There's no way that they would that'd be. I don't think he's coming up next year, but I think this no. is where you make the determination, Johnny, whether or not you this is a do it retool. Right. You, can do it. you can pick up the option for next year and hope TA is actually back to his normal self and then try to flip him at the deadline next year. That would be more of my route. I just wonder from a baseball GM standpoint, like, is it 
worth it for the contractual level right now? Where's his value higher? He's had a shit year. Is it worth it to move him as a rental this year and plug him in next year into I, you know whatever lineup he's traded? I, I don't know how to value that like, at all. It's hard just because of how rough it's been for him after coming back from the injury, just the um, the lack of offensive production. And sure, you can go and point to the post-All-Star break numbers and say that, yes, he is definitely looking more like his normal self. I don't know if that's a big enough sample size to say that that's proven that he is totally back there yet, though. Um, just hitting the one home run last night doesn't, I don't know, if I'm a rival executive, yeah, that's a positive trend and maybe something you keep an eye on. But at the same time, you're also probably hoping you can buy low on something like that and take advantage of the down year that he had and then hope that he has a second half, you know, full on resurgence here for you. Um, whereas that's kind of in my mind, be determined on what other clubs are willing to actually give up for him. And when you think about it from their perspective, why would we go and surrender you know, this prospect that has X value that we place on him internally for a guy that objectively has lower value based on what he's done this year in his injury history. And that's, that's totally fair. I, I, I sit there and, and, and sort of think about that. And one thing that sort of comes to mind as we're talking about some of this, Johnny, is the White Sox inability to have a farm system to go add when they needed to the way that they could have over the past two seasons in terms of, you know, having prospects to move for a guy who might be down like a Tim Anderson. We couldn't even make trades like that, which makes me even more sad. Like go, yeah. go take a chance on someone. Um, we'll have to see what shakes out, but I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those two names move. I'd like yeah, Mar to see. Marlins I'd like Marlins had talking about TA here. Marlins had some yeah. interest reported, but it wasn't that they were in talks or anything. That's just they were eyeing him uh, for need, and you know they they've had some struggles offensively this year. So if TA's turned it around, that may catch their eye a little bit. And then um, I have not once again not seen any reports of interest or talks going on. But everybody says when you go and look at needs uh, across the league and for contenders, the Giants need middle infield help. So that's another name that has just been once again. Uh, uh, thought of as a desirable destination in terms of team need. So, can I interest you in a Zach Remillard? Zach Remillard, that guy, that guy is TWTW. I'll tell he you, does. <laughs> he does. He um, does. Yohan Mancata. Oh, God. I would love to see a Yohan Mancata trade. Dude, nobody's taking him. And I know nobody's taking we're him. We're going to be strapped with him next year or two. That is... Isn't that wild to think about where we started and where yeah. we're at with Johan Moncada? It's kind of wild. Yeah. It's very I mean, wild to think about. It's uh, then also, obviously, the player. That's the part of it that we all see on the day-to-day. -day. But then when you go back and then talk about Rick Hahn decision-making, well, the decision to give all these guys those uh, you know extensions, right? up front before anyone was really proven um, seemed like, you know, if the, if things did all pan out, you know what, probably a good strategy because you would be avoiding some earlier free agency, um, you know, sort of situations there of lock in that cost and then hopefully be able to add around it. That, I'm sure that was the plan in mind, but that all never came together. And then now you're seeing um, the opposite end of it and how that can cripple you in a way, because you have a guy in Jake Berger who, is outperforming him, is staying healthy, and is hitting a lot of home runs, uh, which we were just hoping that he would do and bring the defense on top of it. So, sure, there's a knock on Jake's defensive game, but, you know, I don't think it's lost on anyone um, what he's done at the plate this year. So, well, maybe Pedro Grafol with where he's betting, but you, you get the idea. So that's just the predicament that you're in. And, you know, that is unfortunately the dead weight that they're going to carry in the next season. That's where I'm at on you on Mankata. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I'm just I'm curious to see if you wind up making any moves with the position players because we've yet to see that. Um, again, we went over Clevenger earlier. I don't think he's moving. Nobody's taking Michael Kopech right now. They've drawn a hard line on Dylan Cease. Middleton's probably available. 
I don't think the White Sox are going to want to move uh, Santos. Everybody else in the bullpen at this point in time is either a recent call-up or uh, is named Brian Shaw, who's been on a bus back and forth between Charlotte and Chicago for what seems like the better part of a month and a half here. So there's not a lot of assets I think they can deal with. Everything else is sort of going to be focused, I believe, on position players. Don't see Vaughn moving. The, the one that's out there, obviously, Osmani Grandal can be had for, for literally anything at this point. So I think we're sort of past the bulk of the trades for the Chicago yeah, White Sox, but uh, you never know. I, I would say that uh, if somebody's going to move, it's probably an Eloy or a uh, or, or Tim Anderson. Um, that yeah. would be like an impactful trade that we would have to like do an emergency podcast for. Right. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that front. Um, it'd probably be up front there with position players more. I'm wondering just with the Keenan Middleton thing though. Um, I'm wondering if his recent blowups have scared teams off. Um, this is a guy, Joe Kelly, you can go back and you can go and look at his, you know, numbers from years past in this, you know, whatever, almost like 60 innings of postseason experience. He had the relationship with the Dodgers before um, that you can go and rest and be like, okay, we're, you can get some pedigree here. Middleton doesn't really have a track record. What was his best track record of being a decent reliever in May and June parts of June for the White Sox. And I don't know if that's enough to really move the needle any team um maybe someone just takes a flyer and once again you're just getting something a very very fringe level prospect back on that so i i honestly wonder if middleton will even be on the move um that's just if i was if i was a contender looking at that and you know people say oh that's not how it works trade value doesn't tank over you know just their most recent outing well okay all of his most recent outings haven't been all that great so and there's been some bad blow-ups within there too so yeah it's been sort of ugly of late yeah, so it's uh, it's I like Steve's terminology. Did he turn back into a pumpkin? And that we may have seen that <laughs> the chariots here. You never know if they are able to move him, but as I said earlier, I don't think you're going to get anything worthwhile. It's it, it's sort of a lottery ticket, at, and you can go back to stuff that Steve says about lottery tickets. But I don't expect anything major unless it comes in the form of Eloy Jimenez or Tim Anderson. Those are my right. thoughts. Yep. Nope. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, obviously trade deadline coming up on Tuesday. So make sure check out on tapsportsnet.com uh, for any updates on the White Sox front there. Uh, we'll keep you posted there. Uh, give us a follow on social media as well at Sox on tap and at on tap sportsnet. And for more of these shows, get your comments in the uh, uh, comment section here on YouTube uh, on tap sportsnet and on Facebook as well. Unfortunately, Twitter folks, we cannot uh, bring your comments into um the chat like that here into our feed so go and check out youtube and facebook on that front tony final thoughts and then it's time to wrap her up final thoughts what a shitty year uh to be a white Sox fan johnny i know that we've uh this we've is been a previously this. recorded message from yeah Joe's prior yeah what a shitty year to be a white Sox fan uh i i just I, I i fucking hate every little bit of of where we're at right now uh it's been pretty bad uh, I'm I'm sort of sad that uh, we've had to part ways with a couple of names here, um, but it is what it is at this point. We don't know what we're going to be talking about over the next uh, year from now uh, when it comes to this White Sox baseball team because we don't have a marketing slogan and we shouldn't be talking about crap like that right now. I'm going to talk about crap like that. Clean house if you can in the offseason, please. That's my you know number one. Uh, uh, preferred course of action. If you can't retool, but actually do it and have some shame for what uh, you went through over this contention window and do what you need to do to fix it in short order, because I'm not on, I'm not on board with this uh, front office getting another rebuild, but if they're going to have to remain in place because Jerry's just a loyal guy and that's what it's going to be, have some shame, Rick on, have some shame, Jerry Reinsdorf, go actually make it happen. Retool. Yale Central is still not going to be a world beater division next year. There are three wild card spots now. Um, there is, you know, it, it seems so far away from a morale standpoint, but at the same time, it's, I would much rather go for it if you're still having the Dylan Ceases, Luis Roberts of the world on your team. 
then absolutely go scorched earth and be waiting for another, you know, four years just for a chance uh, to even, you know, sniff anywhere up into those playoff spots. So even that being a fringe one there. So that, that that's where I'm at. That's my final thought for this one. Thanks for tuning in to Sunday Funday. Until next time, White Sox forever. White Sox forever.